Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. We are back. It is a beautiful day outside. Yeah, I mean, it's a little chilly, but it, it's sunny, so that's nice. That's true. We Ohio has kind of keeps slipping back into winter a little bit, so I'm hoping we're done with that nonsense. Yeah, that would be nice. It would be nice to just have some warmth and some sun and all that stuff. I mean, sorry, Canadians. I'm sure it's worse for you. But <laughs> eh, that's fine. They have they can just go to Tim Hortons and get warmed up, burn some oh of their uh, their play money. <laughs> yeah, you mean burn it like spend it, or like burn it like <sighs> because it's not real money and you can use it in a fire. <laughs> I'll leave that up for them to decide. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mel. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't have any banter. I just, I just have my regularness. Yeah, I've actually been working at work, so that's less fun. So yeah, I'm, I got nothing to say. We can just get into it. I know. I've been like wrapping up two quarters, semesters at two different colleges. So I've been doing a lot of grading, reading a lot of research papers. So my brain is burned, which jab, jab, wink, wink, might be a nod at our main feature later. Just saying. Spoilers. Da, da, da. Anyway, let's talk about news. So I've got a couple things on news and they all look really cool. And I'm like wicked pumped about all of them. Do you want me to take this first one? Uh, if you want to, you can. I don't want to step on you. I mean, it's your segment. If you want to Good. do it, you can. I don't want you. You can jump in later after I talk about it and all introduce right. it. <laughs> But now I'm concerned. I want to make sure that I um, pronounce this right, because this is a game um, out of Colombia, I believe. Does that sound right? Yes, Uh, Colombia. Yeah, I don't know any of that stuff. I just know how the game works. (laughs) That's why I said, no, let me talk about it, because you're going to ruin the theme. (laughs) You're going to destroy everything. No one's going to want to play it if you start talking about it. So the game is Aldabas. And Aldabas is, it's called Aldabas Doors of Cartagena, I think. Cartagena, yeah. So Aldabas is actually referring to the door knockers on these doors. So this game is a tableau builder where you are building your neighborhood with kind of this mosaic, this tableau of doors with different knockers on them. And the different knockers refer to um, the family who lives there, their occupation, or maybe their standing, if they're a noble, um, if they're a fisherman, if they're a member of the clergy, etc. And so you are drafting doors and then placing them in your tableau. And there's like some rules you have to follow. Like the doors have to go all the way to the left. Um, they can't be by other doors the same color. So you've got color things happening as well as as the different um, like specs of the look of the knocker. And then when you play a card, it each has a special power that activates. And so you're using that to like garner more points, to get you maybe more money, to buy more doors, um, all those kinds of things. You got like a cool little vault tile where you keep your coins underneath it as like a secret because they score. Um, and then also there's kind of a set collection piece because whichever... Um, like occupation you have the majority in then at the end you're scoring points um in the way that that occupation scores points so maybe you're going to score points based on how many of a certain color door you have 
or certain types of knockers you have in a certain arrangement or whatever. So you're kind of balancing like what what do I want now to use these powers to get me more coins so I can get more points that way and build up my door tableau to also like, okay, what do I want to gain at the end game? It just looks like a, you know, fairly simple, um, fun, pretty game. And this is from Grand Gamers Guild. And so I know they've done some other good stuff as well. And I think this is like a cool like theme that you don't see very often. So it plays one to four players, you know, really quick. They say about 30 minutes. Um, so if that sounds interesting to you, Aldabas, check it out. There's four days left on the Kickstarter and it's only 20 bucks. And so Jason actually has played this through a couple times solo. What did you think, babe? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to talk about any of the theme because I didn't even know there was a theme. Um, (laughs) but yeah, this is all, it's just a card game. There's like a drafting row of like four or five cards that you can buy from or get some for free based on where you take them from. What you're trying to do is you're trying to build the tableau in front of you, like you said, but the tricky part is all the types of cards do the same thing. So like all the fisherman cards have the same actions and do the same thing. The tricky part is each of those cards can be in one of the three different colors and you can only put cards that are different colors next to each other. So that's where the game comes in is you're trying, like I need to have this fisherman card, but I only have a red one and I can't put it next to this other red card or on top of this other red card. So I can't play it right now. So I got to try to get another card that I want in a different color so I can play it to my tableau. That's the, the, the burniness of the game, I think in the, colors it doesn't seem like the three colors would make a big deal but when you're placing it down it's tough and yes it's really quick Uh, i think i played through a couple games in like i don't know like 25 minutes each so the 30 minutes is pretty on point for more than one player so yeah i i enjoyed it and we'll have a video at some point after i play it with some real people yeah i think it looks fun and just the the way that yeah you can draft these cards but there are rules to your placement and so you're you're really wanting to maximize your placement because you're not only triggering that particular power but the power is next to it um and so wanting to make those align right and then saying oh i want i really i'm trying to focus on the fishermen or i really want to focus on the clergy like how do i get those cards in the right colors and then be able to put them where i need them so yeah i i love games that are simple in their actual execution but require you to make difficult choices so i think aldabas looks like that so again four days left 20 bucks check it out I think it's a good price point, too, by the by. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just a card game, but still, that is pretty cheap for a game that has nice production and pretty solid art. Yeah. Speaking of nice production, this next game, like, I want to back so bad. It's just a little outside of Jason's price range, which really means every game that's not free. Um, (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) I guess I guess I should retract that statement. But the game is called Florence. And it's billed as an opulent area control game for one to five players, but it's really a worker placement game. I feel like in looking at it and watching videos that the area control is kind of minimum. And um, the designer of this game actually designed Pacific Rails, Inc., which we have and backed on Kickstarter and yet have yet to play it. But I, every time I looked at it and when I looked at the Kickstarter production, like I'm like, dude, I'm so into this game. It looks so great. It looks like it's a little bit complex. And Florence has that kind of feel. So, you know, we're back in the Mediterranean, of course. We're dealing with the Medicis because who else is in Florence? Um, Clearly so, no one. <laughs> no one but the Medicis. No one. <laughs> well, that's not true. Your family Lo- is there in this game. Lorenzo. And he from... Uh... Yeah, Medici. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. All right. 
There are other ones, you know. No, there's not. No, there's not. I think Michelangelo was there. There's some other ones. Anyway, lot, lots of lots of special people in Florence. So in the game, oh wait, was this a, is there another designer that I recognize? The solo mode was done by Turds Terzi. Oh yeah, he does tons tons of stuff. Yes. So there's a solo mode for this also, which is really interesting. The illustrations are really cool. I don't know the illustrator Dan Mann, but um, apparently this is part of a trilogy of games like Ragusa and Venice, which I probably talked about to be honest, and I don't remember. But in Florence, you are moving your people around in your family because you're trying to get the influence, get the favor of the Medicis. So there are like different things that you can do. You're going to these different places. You're placing your workers um, where they are placed as far as order also um, is important as well as actually taking the actions. So you're going around and like, giving gifts to the Medicis and you're bragging about how awesome you are, hoping that the Medicis will hear about you. And you're also like getting the gossip and um, intrigue, which are really in the term of cards that'll allow you to um, kind of maneuver and manipulate where your people are and maybe out manipulate some other people so that you get to the head of the line. Um, and there's three different Medici family members and they move around the board and each time they come to a location in their carriage, which the carriage pieces are dope, um, they award points based on where you are in the queue at that location. So that jockeying for spots really important. And then there's also like a really clever like timing mechanism on your player board that's a wheel that turns these like numbers in the clock because you want you only have like the night to um, go through and get all these things accomplished because the next day is when there's going to be like this like I don't know business meeting with Medici's and you want to be the one there to get involved because it's but this is you're at the night of carnival and you're trying to really impress them over the carnival it's they talk a lot about the theme obviously in the board er, in the video but basically you're putting these workers different places to gain you more influence points <laughs> it's a euro i like that description that makes me really want to play it you're welcome um and then what's really cool is there's like this noble dial and i think that in some ways you can turn it because each of the nobles like awards points in different ways and then i think they each maybe i think they each have different variations within that so you might be able to manipulate that it looks like to get the points in your favor when they come to visit and they have these really cute carriage minis one for each of them um there's these little debutante meeples and dona meeples and um little present gift like meeple things and um brag tokens that look like wine glasses and guard meeples there's some really cool production to this like really really cool I, it looks really awesome. Um, but because it is like a deluxe edition production, if you're interested in Florence, you like worker placement, the area control, but I think is about you kind of having your people in these certain like bragging areas, like, you know, bragging the most or being the first in line. Um, there's six days left on this Kickstarter and it's $64. Um, but you really get a ton of stuff in this, like in the production quality looks awesome. The artwork is very much the ugly Euro artwork that we love so much. <laughs> I mean, we just do. 
Um, and for a five player game, all those pieces, and even for a solo, like it just looks really intriguing. Um, and like dual layer player boards, like all kinds of great stuff. So that is Florence. Did you say this was from Capstone? I did not say it's from Capstone. Is it? No, Brain Crack. Oh, okay. All right. I, I thought they were the ones that did some of the other ones, like well, Ragusa. No, they did. Brain Crack did Ragusa. Oh, I really thought it was Capstone. Oh, okay, yeah. Cool. That's what it says. That's what, unless they're lying to me. No, I, I don't know. I just, I just Brain always Crack they Games, were. the UK based publishers of Downsize, Mind Out, Farsight, Dead and Breakfast, Ragusa, and Venice. Nice. All right. Yeah. Cool. Maybe Capstone does American distribution or something. I don't know. Could I thought, be. I thought I saw their name on it somewhere. You know, you know, I don't know about those things. I don't know why you bothered to ask. I just read what's here on the Kickstarter page. But it looks really good um, from what I've seen of Dean Morris's work with Pacific Rails, Inc. I, I have a feeling this is going to be a really, like, good game with some good, heavy choices. Um, not super brain burny, but definitely a little bit of run for your money. So check out Florence. Um, six days left, $64. Yeah, that one does sound pretty good. I think we'd like it, babe, but I know you're not going to back it for $64. Maybe we can find a free copy somewhere. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, the last game is a much lighter game, much prettier game, I will also tell you. However, this game does something that Jason hates, and it has a deluxe-only edition. Ugh. Which I don't quite understand that, but okay, I guess. Just don't tell me it's a deluxe edition and just say, hey, the regular edition is expensive because we have awesome production quality. But whatever. The game is Vivid Memories, and this is a tile drafting game. Sort of. They say it's a tile drafting game, but it's very much like, um, uh, it reminds me of an Azul, a Sagrada kind of, because you're drafting these little, like, diamond looking colors. Um, and they're like memory shards, I think they call them. And so you're, you're drafting them and then off of these memory tiles and then once you get the memory once the memory tile is empty you take that tile and you're putting these little shards in these little like honeycomb looking parts of your brain but there's a really there's a strategy to where they go because um, you can get bonuses from them touching the different parts of your core memories that reflect the colors of them also this is really um friendly for colorblind or color weak people because not only do the shards have a specific color they also have a, a very an actual noticeable specific um, icon on them which i think is super helpful and like nothing super convoluted like the red has hearts on it and you can easily see the white heart on the red shard yeah that is nice that's the nice. blue yeah the blue has like a lightning bolt on it so i feel like they did a really great job making this accessible to people so you're drafting these and when you draft, there's a certain way that you can draft them. You can take three of uh, different colors and whatever comes out of the bag is what's there on the tile. So you may not have the option or two of the same or one single of anything. And then you place them in an empty cell in your brain. And you're going to do that for a strategic reason because not only are you going to get points for where they're placed in your brain if they're touching core memories of the same color or design, um, but also when you pull these kind of moments tiles um, they have scoring opportunities on them as well. So you are pulling the shards, you're putting them in your brain. 
then you have these actions, these four different actions you can take. If you happen to get a moment tile, that is used to cover up one of the basic actions and you get kind of a new action. And once it's spent, you flip that tile over and now it becomes a scoring opportunity. So then you have a scoring round. And so you're going to score that memory. If you do, it moves off your board, opens up that um, slot again. Also, and so those kind of scoring opportunities are based on how the shards are placed, what colors are in which cell, if there's two colors by themselves, if there's three particular colors. So you're kind of on the lookout for that. Um, Also, everyone has an aspiration, which is like the thematic part of that is, oh, this is what I want to be when I want to grow up. So it's like an astronaut or a firefighter or a musician um, or a doctor. I think there's five different ones. Um, I believe, I think there's five or six different ones. Um, and then they, like, they will give you, um, extra scoring for a particular color or type of shard. Um, so it's just this really interesting balance of, okay, I want to take these shards. What colors do I want? Where are they going to go? I've also got these special powers that allow me to manipulate those once they get into those hexes. How can I use that to leverage the most points in your scoring? Like after each kind of draw phase, um, it looks, you know, simple, but also like, how am I going to place these to maximize my points? Two to four players, 30 to 60 minute game, um, really, really gorgeous artwork. The hexes are inlaid. So it's like a layer, a layered player board, which is really great. You've got these nice, um, you know, fragment tokens that fit in there and a broidered bag. I think if you get the kicks, if you back Kickstarter, you get the play mat and these really pretty moment tiles, all that stuff. So if that sounds interesting to you, Vivid Memories, there's seven days left on the Kickstarter and the deluxe edition is $50. I should have put uh, on one of my pet peeves, playmats. Sometimes they are really nice, honey. The Tonto Cory playmat, super necessary. It's not um, necessary, but it's nice. Yes. Even um, the playmat for Marvel United, super nice to have. The one that we have for parks, really nice to have. It just keeps everything neat. Yeah, I understand. I like playing on them. I'm just saying, adding thirty bucks onto every game for a playmat is. Just, I don't think it's the getting play overwhelming. Mat, the playmat is not the thirty extra dollars. It's like the double layered boards and the extra thick cardboard tiles and these instead of chits, you've got these really nice fragment tokens. All right. A deluxe 3D first player marker. No, oh, talk about pointless right there. It's a paper airplane, <laughs> a custom box insert. Would you like to pay $10 to add on a first player marker that does absolutely nothing? Yes, I would. Still, absolutely gorgeous. Looks like a really fun, interesting game. Um, the theme is kind of cool, although pasted on. But a lot of people really like that abstract Azul Sagrada type. Let's pull color tiles and arrange them. So I think this is great for a lot of people. So Vivid Memories, seven days, 50 bucks. Check it out. Yeah, it sounds cool. I've never heard of this one, but I'll have to go watch some videos because it sounds kind of neat. Well, I happen to know things that you don't know. How do you like that? I don't know. Good job. I, I haven't been studying up on a lot of the new games, so I'm just relying on you to tell me what's good. Great. Give me the pressure. Our correspondent in the field sends me all these solo games, and I'm like, I'm never going to play that, buddy. So <laughs> find a euro. <laughs> Jason's not going to get anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah. That's all I have for news today. All right, so we did get to play some games last week. Um we played some new games, some games that won't be out until next year, 
and an what? old game. Were those people? Yeah, we're pulling a man versus meeple up in this piece, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. You're super boring, then, because I'm just gonna. I'll just be you're, regular boring. You're regular boring. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, remember that one guy said you're annoying and I'm boring, so I'll be boring. And oh yeah, and I'll be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> done, done, and done. All right. So the first game we played was a game that we backed on Kickstarter. Well, this is like the third week in a row when we've played games that we've actually paid for. What is going on? <laughs> Why do we even have this podcast anymore? <laughs> so uh, this. This game is the two-player version of the Networks, and it's called the Rival Networks. We love the Networks, so when this one came on to Kickstarter, we're like, man, we need to try this one, because if it's anything like the Networks, you know, we're sold. So we played it. It's a two-player-only game where you're kind of doing the same kind of thing. You're running your, your TV network, trying to put shows in the appropriate time slots, trying to get more ratings in your opponent. But this one's more like, uh, instead of trying to grow a TV show, earn ratings for as long as you can, this is kind of... Uh, put a show in the air, then burn it, and put another show in the air and burn it, just to try to get the most viewers by the end of the game. It's kind of a little tug of war on each of the three time slots of the players to try to get the most viewers. Um, the gameplay is similar, but it's a lot more streamlined. Um, instead of having a lot of choices you can choose from, you're basically going to draft a show, you're going to draft an, a star and an ad, and then you're going to be using those ads that you drafted. As long as you have highest ratings in a certain time slot, they're going to be worth more money. Or you can put sell two of them together to use money, and you're going to use those ads to buy network cards, which is a little different than the original. Um, and then the network cards are going to give you some more viewers, extra ways to get money, extra ways to get points, that kind of thing. The cool thing about this one is you're putting all your ratings, your viewers, in this little house, which is called the bank. It's like a Nielsen house kind of thing. At the end of the game, you're going to pick up your house and see who has the most viewers in there. So you never really know who's winning. So it's kind of one of those, you know, I think I'm doing all right, but at the end of the game, I could get get trounced but who knows so um that's kind of an overview so what did you think of the rival networks we don't even have to compare it to the regular networks just what did you think about this game on its own are you guiding my response right no there? i was just saying you know you can you don't have to compare it to the original game because i did that in the video but you can if you want to okay um so yeah this is definitely a lot more streamlined like i felt like it there's less chance of ap here because it's like okay i've got three shows to choose from i have to choose one so which one is the best that's going to work? Um, I feel like I paid more attention then to the genre bonuses for the different types of shows I was picking. Um, so that that kind of upped that for me. And it definitely was, let's um, upload a show and dump whatever I got as much as I can into it um, at the time. Because I'm not worried about what it's going to do in syndication. I'm not trying to continue with the viewers later on, which is really a different strategy. And I think maybe I need to play it again to really think about it. We also had like an executive card where it gave you special player power. My special player power did not seem yeah. to help me as much as Jason's did. Your, your executive sucked. Mine was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> My executive did suck. Jason was getting all this ad revenue all the time so he could buy all this better all these better cards and I could get one extra star basically around, which didn't really help me that much, at least in the way we played it. Um because and that's the other thing is I was surprised that I consistently would win the time slots, but I felt like that didn't do that much for me overall. Yeah, that's true. It's it's really more about yeah, you need the money. You need the money, you need the network cards because you can always get at it seems like you can always get stars to throw them on to get you know, some cheap viewers. Right. Yeah, it's that's not as big a deal, it didn't seem like. Yeah, so it definitely is a different strategy. Um but I liked it. However, because I do like deeper, more intricate games, 
I would rather play the original networks at two players um, just because I like that balance of more going on of um, what star is going to fit with each show the best, um, what shows are going to age and still give me the most viewership. How can I, how can I really work on the long game? I I like that. Um, However, if I never played the networks before, I like the concept of the networks and the theme and the way you play it so much that the rival networks would be a great start. Like, and especially if like you're a person who's really into games and maybe you have someone in your household that's not really into games because I hear that complaint all the time. And I'm not gonna get my soapbox about how I hate how men post in the board game groups like, my wife is into games, what should I do? And then other idiots are like, little win, oh, Show her your favorite game. No, you idiots. No, no. Listen to her and play the games that she likes with the themes that she likes. But whatever. (laughs) That's all beside the point. No, you can't listen to your wife. Come on. (laughs) You shut up. (laughs) Um, Every like this would be a nice one to say, hey, a game about TV shows. Most people are into that. Like, oh, have you ever wanted to run your own TV station? And then this is a really simple mechanic. Like here, you pick a show. Then you pick a star to go with it. Then you pick, a, well, actually, you don't even pick a star to go with it. You pick the show and the star and the ad are chosen for you. So it's it just really is a lot more streamlined version of the network. So it would be great to kind of introduce people, even new people and people who aren't super into games to something that has the potential to develop into more. So... I would say that's that's the big benefit for the Rivals Networks. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. If you've never played the Networks, get the Rival Networks, try it out. And then when you like that one, go try the Networks, and you'll like that one even better, I think. And I do say when you like the Rival Networks, because it's a great game and it's fun. Oh, yeah. So it, it'll be enjoyable. Even if you have played the Networks, it's still fun. All right, so the next game we played is an older game. I'm not sure how old, but it's older than a year and probably that. older than five. I don't know. But it's called Kingsport Festival. So this is a... Listen here. We're going to say some words that we don't normally say. (laughs) This is a a Cthulhu version of Kingsburg, sort of. It has some different mechanisms, but it's essentially the same kind of gameplay, but with a Cthulhu theme pasted on. And what you're doing... It's from 2014. Oh, nice. So... 2014. Seven years old? Dang, that's old. All right. That's, this is like ancient in board gaming time. <laughs> right. So uh, what you're doing in this, it plays similar to Kingsburg. You're going to roll these dice, and then based on your result, you're going to um, call on one of the the elder gods to give you some special power, which basically means they're going to give you cubes. They're going to give you some magic. They're going to give you um, points, but they're going to make you go a little bit more insane and the better the better elder gods make you go even more insane than the weaker ones. So you're trying to balance your sanity to get the rewards that you want so you can build these different buildings that are on the map in the middle of the board that are going to give you special powers that help you fight the investigators. There's going to be four investigator I don't. I call them attacks. I don't know. I don't know what the investigators do. Investigator um, investigates. Investigating. Yeah. <laughs> There's four of those throughout <laughs> the game. At certain points, they're going to have different strength. So you're trying to make sure that you have the appropriate strength to battle the investigators because you're the cultist in this one. The investigators are the bad guys. So um, I enjoy this game. I think I might like it a little bit better than Kingsburg because there's a little bit going on. Like the spell cards are cool. Um, the way that I, I don't like the theme as much, but I really enjoy the spell cards and it feels a little deeper to me than Kingsburg. So what do you think about Kingsport Festival? Well, this is actually my choice for us to play um, because I have actually really liked this game for a long time. This was an early game for us in our collection. Um, we really started building out more games. And I, I wanted to take pictures and be like, look, Tim, 
it's the Elder Gods. We, <laughs> we found Cthulhu. Can you believe that? Um, that we, we did actually play a Cthulhu game. Um, I like this because it's there's the simplicity of the Yahtzee rolling. Then where am I going to use my dice? But there's also like, okay, what things do I need? Because I want to branch out and and be able to place my markers on these different buildings that are going to give me powers. What powers do I have? Um, when's the investigation coming up? I need to be ready for um, this addition of the spell cards that can help you with points and help you with um, the investigations or help you just with your roles and getting like I- the items you need, the cubes you need. I like that. The theme is like super pasted on, so it doesn't really matter that much. Although I kept talking about how I kept going insane, which was fun <laughs> and so close to real life. Um, but I, I do, I do really like this one. This is one that I like to bring out. It's not hard, but I do think it's also kind of that a next step for people. It's it. You need three players to play it, so we don't play it all that much. Um, but since everyone's rolling and then you're placing, I feel like turns move fast. There's a lot of simultaneous stuff that you're doing. It's it's kind of a nice um, like, hey, oh, you like to roll dice? Let's 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 push that a little bit further. Um, so yeah, I like Kingsport Festival a lot. Yeah, I enjoy it. It might go on a little too long, but I think that it's it's fine. It's, it doesn't like super outstay its welcome, but it might just a tad too long. That's because you're you. Yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the last game we played is the game that doesn't come out for another 17 years. It's not that bad. It's next year, actually. The Kickstarter happens in June, but the game of will not... Of this year? Of this year. But it's oh, not going to okay. officially so not, deliver until next year. It's like it's this year, but then people get on us if we put it on a list because it really isn't out yet or available, but it's still people know about Correct. it because they might have backed it. Correct, yeah. It's one of those those things. That old chestnut. This game is from Dr. Finn's Games, and it is called Little Flower Shop... The Dice Game. I think that's the name. And this is, well, this is going to sound surprising, but this is the dice version of a game called The Little Flower Shop. Little shop, little flower shop, the dice game. Yeah, that too. Is that going to be a copyright strike? No, because that was not a real song. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know what you were singing, but yeah, I think it'll be fine. So what this is, this is a dice game of Little Flower Shop where you are trying to roll dice to fulfill these different flower and vase requirements of these tiles that are out in front of everybody in the table. So there are, I think there are three different flower types. There's three different vase types, I believe. And you're trying to um, use your dice to fulfill the requirements on the tile or spend them to get money, to turn the money into wild tokens, to get ribbons for your flowers, to score a pile of points. There's also this Um, weird task card which is going to give you points for having certain items in the column and the row in your flower shop so you're trying to pay attention to some of the icons because there's like knickknacks on all of them too there's like a cup i think some kind of animal and i think like a candle holder or something there's three different types of them and you're trying to ensure that you're getting the appropriate flowers different kinds of knickknacks in certain places in your flower shop it plays pretty quickly it happens over six rounds which is a day in the game and whoever has the most points at the end is the winner. So um, what did you think of Little Flower Shop, the dice game? Um, well, Little Flower Shop is nice, like the original game with the cards, but it's so, so simplistic in my opinion. The dice game is also really simple, but you've got that kind of luck-based thing happening where the dice are going to give you whatever, and you're going to try to mitigate that. Um, it's cute. It's pretty... I just felt like it was just way too easy. And you, you could said, oh, you buy these things, you earn, you, you can earn a pile of points. 
I earned a pile of points. I don't know what the rest of you were doing when we played this game. I had over 30 points. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, but it, I just, I, I would, I would like more from these games. Like I think they're, they have like so such great potential and I just want a little bit more. And I, I thought like some of the rules need to clarify Cause like on this one, you can move on to different phases without the rest of the players, which I feel like can kind of make things get confusing. Maybe it's because, you know, we were just learning it as we went and that's why it was confusing. It might be less confusing if we had done it more than once, but the, the dice rolling and then being able to save a certain amount of dice each time, or you could pay more to save more or pay more to, to save none. Um, that was, is a really good mechanic. Also, I think there's some good things here just for me. It was like way too late. Yeah. I, uh- I did reach out to Dr. Finn to ask about that die rolling thing and people moving on to the next phase. We did play it correctly. It just, it, I don't love the way that that works. So um, yeah, that's the game. We didn't play it wrong. That's just the game. And I do agree. He does a lot of lighter games. Uh, so everybody can play basically, you know, you can read the rules, pick it up and have fun with it. So, but yeah, I would like to see this game be a little bit deeper than it is. Just, just a tad bit. <laughs> Because it's going to fly away at the lightness that it is right now. But, yeah, that's just his style. And that also speaks to our style, too, which I think really leads into our main segment of the show. Because we want to talk about our favorite brain burner games. And that's because we like those games. We like the games that make you go... Okay, now what do I got to do? Okay, well, I can't forget about this track. Well, what about this one? Oh, I need to also do this one. We love those Brain Birdie games. I mean, it's obvious if with how much I love dear old Uncle Vital Lacerda, um, all of his games I could put on this list for Brain Birdie games. But we wanted to talk about some of our favorite games that really make us scratch our head and burn our brains there is smoke coming out when we have these to the table so what is your first game babe so speaking of uncle vital he's got to make the list it's not all vital games but my first one is a vital game and i picked lisboa and honestly you could pick any of them i just grabbed lisboa because it's the first one that popped into my head from him and um, this game, like every VTAL game, you take a simple action. You're either going to put your dude on a spot and build a building. But when you do that, it's going to trigger 97 other things that you have to think about and sort out. And you're trying to, you know, make sure you have the money. So when you go to this spot, you can do this thing that's going to trigger off this other thing. And then you're trying to watch what your opponent's doing because you can follow them on certain things that they're doing if you have proper tokens and all that stuff. It has so much stuff going on. Uh, it, it even has its own little like handbook that you can look at what you're doing because it's that complicated so you can see what all the actions <laughs> do. So yeah, it, it's a great game. It's fun. Once you know how to play it, it's not like, it's still hard. It still burns your brain, but it's not going to like, you know, be impossible to play. It's just, there's a lot going on, a lot of stuff to do. And Uncle Vital is the king of heavy games. So had to make my list, Lisboa. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so, so hard. <laughs> Um, I really enjoy this game like a lot once I finally figured out a right way to play it. Um, but it is one of those. It's like, okay, um, yeah, I like the action that person did. How do I do that too? Oh, crap. Okay, so I need this stuff. Well, how do I get that stuff? I got to do this thing. Well, I can't do that thing because I don't have this thing. Okay, where do I go to get this thing? Um, and and then you're just like, okay, what what can I do on my turn? Because there is so much to look at and 
so many actions that are independent or not independent, but they're dependent on other things. Um, and, and that's just really a lot of how VTALS games work, which is why my first one is also a VTALS Heritage game, and that is The Gallerist. Now, The Gallerist is by far my favorite VTAL game. I, I love this game. However, every time I play it, it hurts me. It hurts me a lot um, because I know what I want to do. I'm like, okay, I, I really want to get, and in this game, so the gallerist, you are managing an art gallery. And so you want to bring people into your art gallery. You want to discover new artists. You want to help make them famous because they in turn, you know, provide benefits for you. You want to then get them famous so you can sell their paintings for a lot of money, either on the domestic or on the international markets. Um, and then in typical Vital style, you need certain amounts of, is it fame or I don't know what it is. Yeah. I think it's fame in, in that one. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. In order to be able to like take certain like little associate actions or actions that you can piggyback off of somebody else. Um, but you have to do other actions in order to get that. So it's just, there's just so much. It's not even like there's so much in your turn. You can do like one thing, but it's like, oh, well, in order for me to buy this artist, I have to have this particular type of, or this amount of money. Well, how do I get this money? Well, I got to sell something. Well, okay, I can't buy a piece of art unless I have the specific permit. Okay, well, how do I get the permit? Um, oh, well, I need more of the fame. Like, it's just all interwoven, mixed up together, like one thing layers on another, and you you just are trying to sort through all those layers to play the game. Um, I honestly love that i know there's some people that are like i would rather die than play a game like that but i feel like once i get it that it's awesome i mean i feel like i'm a genius because i'm like okay i know what i need to do and so then you you really are thinking in long terms of your turn like okay i'm gonna have to do this on this turn that's gonna allow me to get this thing which is gonna allow me to do this thing on my next turn and then i'm gonna hope for an associate action so i can kind of double back and get this thing and then i'm gonna want to make sure i have this thing and like so you're planning turns and turns and turns in advance and it just really helps you like think about strategy and and look farther ahead and i guess for just my personality in general, I'm not that kind of person in real life. And so to have a game that really forces me to, to work that part of my brain, for some reason, it's just very exciting to me. So my first choice on this list of brain burners is The Gallerist. Yeah, I, I love The Gallerist. I'm not sure if it's my favorite VTAL. I can't remember, but it's up there. I love it. All right, so now we're, d we're done with VTAL for now. <laughs> for now. Uh, he, he may show up later, but we're done for now. Uh, and my second one is a game from Board and Dice. And it's one of their weird tea games that are really hard to pronounce, but it's called Tekenu. Obelisk of the Sun, I think, is the full title. Now, this game is not nearly as complex as a Vital game, but it still has that same feel where every action, you need at least three other things to go along with that action. Um, each action kind of ties into other sections of the board. So you're always trying to make sure that you have stuff that you need to take the action that you need so you can score the points. You may have some statues out on the board that when other players are taking actions, it might give you some stuff. So you're always paying attention to that. Uh, you're making sure you have enough resources when the scoring rounds come around that you can pay to feed all your people. It's not really feeding your people, but it's kind of a similar mechanism. There's a lot going on here. You always have to fight with the dice because you may not get the dice values or colors that you want. The, the die you really want could be in the forbidden section, which really stinks. <laughs> 
And yeah, just a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of stuff to think about on your turn. And it, it makes my head hurt a little bit, but I do enjoy it. So my number two, Tekenu. I also really like Tekenu. And the reason why Tekenu wasn't on my list is because I don't find it that you're, brain. You're smarter than me. <laughs> I don't know. I and I, I think there is there is some some something to that. I think the first play I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know how to play this game. The couple plays we've done afterwards, I felt much more confident in in playing this game. Um, it clicked it clicked for me. But it is very much like okay, this is the action again. This is the action I want to do. How do I take that action? Oh, I need this die. Crap, there aren't any. Or oh, I could use it, but. It's going to, you know, unbalance me or it's going to, I don't have the resources. So again, it's very much like you have to kind of almost build up a few turns in order to be able to take the turns that you actually want. And that requires forethought. That requires some brain burning. So yeah, I could totally see why it's on the list. Um, my next one, I feel like is much simpler than a lot of these other games in a lot of ways. Um but it burns my brain every time. And I actually really love deduction. And this game is called The Alchemist. Um, so in The Alchemist, you're trying to figure out um, a specific like combination of ingredients that make different colored potions. And you're you're doing that by like testing the ingredients. Um, we we've played it using the app. And you're, you're kind of doing a process of elimination, like, okay, these two ingredients make this certain um, like output, what does that tell me? Which that in itself is kind of a pain to figure out. Like it really is. And sometimes I think I figured it out and I got totally wrong. And there's several times I played this where I've totally screwed everything up and misunderstood. And so then I felt like I was an idiot. And then one time I played it and I'm like, oh, I got everything. This makes so much sense. So I don't know what I'm doing wrong in this game, but it's not even just that. Like even like if that was the only thing you had to do, the game would be complex enough. But on top of that... Then you've got this board where you're also placing workers each time to then you're testing potions, but you're also like trying to sell some um, to people because you need the money because sometimes you have to pay for that. And then um, like you're also like publishing papers, trying to get points for that because you know, if you figure out everything, it doesn't mean that you can win the game just by figuring it out. And then on top of that, they made an expansion, which I have not even bothered to play because obviously I can barely get through the regular game. So it just, it's a lot of like thinking possibilities. When I was in elementary school, I was in this like smart kids class. Sounds like I'm tuning my own, own horn. But we spent a lot of time doing things called, we called mind benders, which is where you got the grid and they give you a few clues and you need to like match like whose pet, who has what pet and then um, what day did they take their pet in the class or something. So you have these grids where, okay, you know that Bob's pet is furry and he um, took his pet in the first half of the week, but Jim's pet was after him or something. So then you'd have to like eliminate stuff, this whole process of deduction, which I started obviously at a young age, but that didn't help me any because I still scrub the alchemist all the time. But that challenge makes me want to be like, I can do it. I got to do this. I got to figure this out. So my second pick is the alchemist. Yeah. We played this, I don't know, two or three times. And man, I still, I still feel like a moron when I play this game. I can kind of understand. I mean, I understand how it works, but it's really, it's tough to figure that stuff out. It's, it's tough. All right, so the last one I picked is honestly not that hard of a game, but there's an aspect of it that is really tricky, and that game is called Mercator 
from Uve. Oh, man. So this game is pretty straightforward. You're moving this little pawn to a, a different city. You're getting cubes, and you're trying to fulfill contracts. The trick here is the contracts you need to fulfill are never from the city where you need to go. No. So, so you're spending these turns, just you're spending two or three turns to go get cubes. And then finally, you're going to go to a place where you can fulfill a contract. But then the cubes you get there, you don't need those. So the whole game is you're trying to balance where you need to go to where you really should go to fulfill contracts because that's how you get your points. And it's just, it, it's, it messes with your brain. It's complicated. The pickup and deliver aspect of this is some of the most tricky pickup and deliver I've ever played in a game. And it makes my brain hurt. And I just want to go to the place where I need cubes and also fulfill a contract there. Why is that so hard? Huh? Why is Which that so difficult? Which you can if you plan it out enough, but it can't be the same cubes you just got. I know. It's it's crazy. It's tricky. So my third one, I love the game. It's really fun. But man, it burns burns my brain. And that's Mercator. I totally agree. This game is so flipping hard. Um, I just, because you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I have a contract. I'm going to go, you know, to Scotland or whatever. And then you're like, dang it, but Scotland gives me vegetables. I don't need freaking vegetables. Like, it's irritating. It, like you, it's like you see what you want to do and you're like, no, I, but I can't go there. I don't really need to go there. And then you can, the other thing that's nice is that you can jump onto somebody else's movement um, if they're going to a place, it's actually night. You could tag along and complete something there. But half the time, they don't want to go where you need to go. Or you don't want to give them the time tokens. So then you're like, well, I'm still screwed. Like, it just is really, ah. You're like, this should be simple. I, p- I go to a place. I pick up cubes. I drop off cubes. I fulfill contracts. I turn them over. I get harder contracts. But it is, like, it is really brain burning. It's, I agree. Yeah, it should be it should be stupid simple, but of course, in Uve fashion, it cannot be. <laughs> yeah. All right, my last one, I don't know who designed it or who publishes it cuz it's Mind Clash Games. I'm not sure of the designer though. Okay, but my last game is Trickerion. Um Trickerion is a like kind of uh, industrial revolution maybe set game about Old world magic. Think the prestige, um, m- the movie, that kind of setting. So we're talking like really exciting, like magic is new and you're going to put it on the stage. And um, the thing about this game is there are so many things to manage. So you are going to need tricks to actually perform as a magician. You have to learn them. You have to also have the equipment So you're going to go buy the equipment and sometimes you have to order like equipment's not in stock. You got to order it. Um, You got to have the money for that. So you got to make time to go to the bank. Um, You have to then add, you you can advertise. You might want to go get a spot, reserve a spot at the theater to actually perform your trick. Then you got to make sure you have the right types of assistants and workers that need to be at the different places to help really maximize each of those things that you want to get or the things you want to do. Like there just is a lot going on. We also have several expansions, which add some other things as well. Um, the game is really fun. I, I love that it's such a different theme, but you just have a lot to handle because it's not only that, oh, I've got to make sure I have all these things and I go to the right places in worker placement. Only certain people are able to carry out certain actions. Um 
a lot of actions are blocked off to you if you don't get there first or you don't get the best kind of action. And it depends on what the turn is and who takes what. Like, uh, it, there's a lot going on. And while I do like to play it, Trickerian is a brain burner. And it sucks to teach. That is a pain in the neck. <laughs> it really does. I think just because there's so many parts and contingencies. and Yeah. Yeah. You got to explain the programming. You got to explain how all the people work. You got to explain all the spaces. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pain. It's a pain. It also has a little cheat book, too, like Lisboa, yes. where you can look inside and see all the magic tricks and all that stuff. So you don't have to keep rifling through cards and stuff, which is pretty cool. But also indicates the fact that it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, so we do have some honorable mentions. Um, you put most of these on here, but I can talk about a few because I agree with some. And I'm actually going to skip across the list because I want to talk about one that I almost put on my list, and that is London Dread. So yeah. <laughs> this is a game. It's not even a hard game. It's a cooperative game where you're trying to move around this town, also like Cthulhu or horror-themed or something, and you're trying to move around this town and just fulfill requirements on these cards to complete the cards to try to complete the story. And then after you do the first phase, you're going to roll some dice and try to fight the baddie. My problem with this game is I don't know how to play it. I don't <laughs> understand the ru- I don't understand the rules. I've read the rules. I've watched Rado play it. We've played it like two or three times and I still have no idea what's going on in this game. I just Katie tells me what to do and I do it. That's this is that's normally <laughs> so like real life. Yeah, right. But normally I'm pretty good at games. Like I can figure out Lisboa. I can figure out all these heavy games. But this one is like the bane of my existence for some reason and almost made my list because I just can't figure it out. So London Dread is one that I put on the honorable mention list. Yeah. And I can't figure out why you can't figure out. Like I'm trying to like I try to walk you through it. I'm like, look, babe, like we got to turn. Someone's got to go here and, you know, we got to turn these cards I, over. And I don't, I don't understand. And everybody's got to bring these things to the table. Like I, I I'm not I, even mean about it. Like I like the game, I think. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> we even played it with somebody else. I'm like, well, maybe it's just me. So we played it with our friend Brandon. And so Brandon and I were like, oh, okay, yeah, you can go here and we can go here. And Jason's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> no idea. No idea. I'm like, put your clock here. Put your clock. Just do this. <laughs> I don't want, I don't like to quarterback, but for some yeah. reason, I don't understand why it's bad. I don't know. So if we're in confessional mode, I probably should confess a game that I have on my honorable mentions because it is the easiest game known to man, but apparently I'm an idiot and cannot figure this game out. I mean, there's several of them that are like that, I I will admit. Um, But I think we just mentioned this game not too long ago. And the game is called Overboss, A Boss Monster Adventure. So yes, this is like 8-bit old school like video game throwback nostalgia thing that you can buy at any box store. However... Katie could not figure out the game as long as we played it. And actually, the game probably took longer because I was so stupid. Yeah, I was going to say, it. You, I think you made the game take longer. Because <laughs> I was really trying to understand. Like, you have to draft a tile, and then with that tile, you get a monster. And each tile does something different. But apparently, I didn't understand the scoring. I couldn't figure out exactly how the monster's powers worked. I well, And part of it was... My goal card or whatever for a certain type of tile was the most complicated power tile, in my opinion. That was like the teleporter tile, right? Or something? Uh, no, it was like the switching. Oh, yeah. Switching people around. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of stuck with that. But that didn't really work out so well because I just left the game confused even more. So I, I don't think this game is hard. But for some reason tiles being laid and moving around katie's brain just 
doesn't work. It burns my brain so, so bad. Yeah, so, I, I didn't have that much of a struggle with that one. But yeah, that, that was definitely a year. That's your bane of existence right there. I think children could play this game better than me. <laughs> You're like, probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> um, one that I, I totally forgot until just now. And I, I, I should have put it on my list, honestly. Mask of the Red Death. And we talk about a decent amount. This is also a deduction game. So maybe I just chose Alchemist instead. But Mask of the Red Death is so difficult. Because you you got to figure out not only where death is going to be. Actually, at, at, I don't know, what, every five minute intervals for a half hour? Every ten minutes. Every ten minutes for an hour. Okay, so that's what, six different positions. Yep. So you're trying to figure out as much as you can where he's going to be, or at least where he's not going to be. And then not only that, you're trying to remember that for all these different times. You're also trying to kind of be popular at the same time, figuring this information out. And um, then you got to figure out, okay, can I get to, do I know enough to know rooms that I can actually get to during this hour of death so that I don't die and manage to make it all the way through? Yeah, I agree with all that. That game's rough. It's and I mean, it's so satisfying when you can do it, and even just getting to it and trying to it, like it's super intense. Like I feel like the theme really shines through really well in that. Like it just, uh, you know, it's like te- nail biting. Like you're like, I-, I swear that I'm right on this, but I maybe there's a chance I was wrong. Like it's just so. So tense, but it is really difficult. Like that game burns my brain, but I think it's totally worth it. Yeah, it. I you said when you you win. No, that doesn't happen for me. Um, it's happened it's, once for me, twice for me. It's fun to stay time. alive till like twelve twenty. That's usually where I die. <laughs> I think I died at twelve twelve ten last time. Yeah, I think I out, I outlived you last time. I was like dead immediately. I was. I don't know what's happening, but I'm gone. Yeah. Um, next on the list is. Your favorite game of all time, I believe. Yes. And that's Coimbra. Coimbra, again, not a hard game to play, but the decisions are tricky. You're using dice for both pip value and color, and you're trying to make sure that, you know, you're getting cards that you need, you're moving up on tracks that you need, you're moving around the little board so you can put markers on the appropriate buildings that you need to score points. You're trying to build an engine out in front of you to help you throughout the game, which I always neglect, but I hear that does, (laughs) it does work pretty well. Um, it seems to. <laughs> and yeah, this game is really good, but it's it's pretty deep for like a, a medium weight Euro. It kind of is brain burning. Yeah, I love, obviously I love this game. It's my favorite game. Um, and I think it's because I, I just get it. I just get this game. But I could see how it, there are a lot of, and much like my other favorite game, Grand Austria Hotel, there are a lot of different things to juggle. There's all those different tracks. There's the cards that you're you're trying to draft, you know, being able to competitively draft the ones you need. Then, you know, making sure you're using those cards and, you know, are you going to have in-game points and are you going to be able to purchase like some of these um, different tiles where you can have more in-game scoring, like and moving around the map and that's giving you other powers like there is a lot to balance in this game, so I know that it can be a brain burner for people. Yeah, then uh, we have a few more Uncle Vitao games, um, Kanban and Vinos. They're both different themes. One's about running a car plant, and one's about running uh, like a wine vineyard. Vineyard, yeah. And uh, but they all they play kind of similarly, where each area kind of 
rolls into the next one. Um, Kanban is a little different because you have a mean little Sandra meeple that comes around and inspects you and slaps you around if you're not doing your work up to par. So it's it's a meaner one than most, but still, they both give VTAL vibes and, you know, are brain burning. I think Kanban's actually the simpler, the simplest of all of his games, to be honest. I like it the least because I feel like you get points for stuff that doesn't matter. Um, or it doesn't match the theme of the game. Uh, but that's my own personal problem. I don't think the game is as difficult. Vinos, you have this mechanism where you're moving. The actions you can take are in proximity to where your little player token is. You can move more if you have the money for it. Oh, yeah, but money that is sucks. so <laughs> hard to come by. So it's like this really tight, like, ooh, do I take this action? I don't really need it, but gosh, I, I don't want to pay money. Like, how can I get more money? That's always your constant thing. How do I get more money? Like, what is happening here? Why don't I have better vines in this stupid area? Um, it That one, I think, is much harder, in my opinion, than Kanban. But I know um, none of Uncle Vitale's games are Walk of the Park, except I haven't. we haven't played um, that Mercado de Lisboa or something. It, yeah, that's like a filler. And you haven't played CO2. No, which I have, I have a couple times, and it, it it's probably it's easier than Kanban, honestly, probably. Oh, but it's semi cooperative, and that makes me like it a little bit less because I don't like where everybody's working together, but you're also trying to get the most points. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't love that. And I'm sure on Mars is quite difficult as oh, well, yeah. but yeah, right. We haven't played that one either. <sighs> um, a game that I find particularly brain burning, which Jason doesn't, which is I don't want to say rare because I don't want to be mean. Jason's not dumb. He's not dumb at all. Um, but I happen to be more proficient at multitasking when, and when games require that they tend to be brain burning. And so they're easier for me. And Rococo is like a game for me, there is, you, you want to make dresses. So you're simply like saying, oh, okay, well I need to send these people to go get the fabric that I need to then go employ my, you know, tailor and make this dress or this coat or whatever. And then I decide what to do with it. And on the surface, that seems very simple. But you're doing this through a series of card play. The cards are what dictate um, the different levels and types of actions you can take. Um, you can try to upgrade those and weed ba- like weed ones that aren't as good out of your deck. You know, also balancing like the money that you need with the area control piece. Um I, I just the last time we played it, I think I feel like I, I did a better job <laughs> for some reason. But often I'm like, ah, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Like I just I, I have some kind of AP with Rococo just because there is there are also a lot of things to balance in that game. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I think that game is pretty straightforward, but yeah, you do kind of get locked up in that one a little bit. All right, so um the next one on the list, actually, somebody I posted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram about what are some people's favorite brain burning games, and this game actually came up, and that is Zolkin. Um, so this is a game where you're using your workers, putting them on the big gears, and you're rotating the gears. The longer your worker stays on the gear, the better action that it can take when you pull it off. So on your turn, you're either going to place workers or pull them off, and deciding how long you want to keep your worker on that wheel really can kind of get a little burning because sometimes you have mm-hmm. to pull a worker off like you have no options you have no workers to place all your workers are on the wheels so you're trying to figure out well i gotta take this crappy action because i really want this other action and i don't want to pull that guy off right now and yeah it it can mess with you a little bit and then you're always trying to look where the wheel is going to be by the time it gets back to you could be you know three spaces away could be five spaces away depending if someone does the double move or whatever so you're trying to figure all that out yeah it, it's tricky so zolkin 
had to make this honorable mention list. Yeah, for me, it's like, oh, well, do I want to move up this track or do I want to get this thing? Like that kind of moving up those technology tracks or like taking the resources and investing them in other things like that is very difficult. And then, okay, is this going to pan out? Like, and then when you're at that point where you're like, I'm out of workers, shoot, what am I going to have to take off? And is it going to be too early? Yeah, that game is hard. Um, and the last one, I feel like I ha- I can't go through this episode without mentioning my f- one of my favorite games. This may move up on my top 100 list. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I freaking love this game, obviously. But it is hard. And I love it because it is hard. Because it works my brain. I have to remember things that people said that we have read. You know, I play this a lot with one of my best friends. She's taking notes. Um... We are pulling out maps. Uh, the uh, West End one with the Jack the Ripper um, series of cases. You kind of do like a mini solve for each case and then you get to the end and you use all that information to then kind of solve as much as you can the Jack the Ripper case. And I mean, we had like I had little like mini chibi figures out to show where all the dead bodies were and like cart like showing pathways i stared at maps of old london and old newspapers like for hours like it really is brain burning i'm like what do i know about powder burns (laughs) like what do i know about how these things work like it really um pushes my brain and i love that because i i feel like i've become too dependent on google i'm always gonna say i'm always the first say jason no don't tell me who's in that in that um, show, I'm going to figure it out. I Just let me think about it. I know you're going to look it up. That's fine. But i got to think about it. Um, so I love Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. But it is not easy. When you say brain burning for this, you mean boring, right? You're so boring. You mean- <laughs> I, it's so fun. Like the thrill of being a detective and solving the case. Like who doesn't want to do that? That's why I watch all these murder mystery shows. That's why I read well, you know, mystery novels. I mean, we do have Detective now. So I'll be willing to play this one, that one with you. <gasps> I bet after the first one you won't want to do it again. <laughs> You're probably right, but I'll give it one. I'll give it. A, I'll give it a go on one case to see if I enjoy it. Oh, I'm gonna cry. That's that's like the sexiest thing you've ever said to me in your life. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> well, that's a really low bar, <laughs> guys. I'm sorry that you had to hear that kind of bedroom talk from Jason on the podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, we should probably move on. <laughs> oh, now he's embarrassed. Jason's blushing, guys. <laughs> You can't even see my face. I'm in a different room. I can hear it in your voice. No, you can't. You can't hear nothing in my voice. (laughs) Stop it. Don't try to to use your your testosterone voice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've derailed. Um, But those are some of the the games that we could think of that are brain burning. And maybe we have a different concept of brain burning than you do. So what games burn your brain? Maybe you have games like Jason and I that are your personal nemesis and you just can't play them no matter how hard you try. Now is the time to confess. Tell us on our Facebook page. Definitely, if you haven't joined, hashtag The Riveted, our Facebook group, you need to do so. We love to talk about games. Um, We've lately been throwing things out about the next episode of the podcast, asking for ideas. If you you know, want to comment on the podcast, say, hey, yeah, these are my brain burning games. We love to hear that. We love to talk to you guys. Um, I love to know what you think. And that's also a great way for us to find new games um, to play and talk about uh, because we just really love the hobby. Um, Also, there's Twitter, there's Instagram, and of course, the YouTubes. 
Jason is so good about putting um, videos out there for all different kinds of games, quick reviews. He does a playthrough, talks about them. I occasionally unbox some stuff and ramble on. So there's that to look forward to. Um, we just really like chatting with you guys and, and talking about games. Yeah, I agree with all that. I got nothing else to say. Okay. My brain is totally burnt. So I think <laughs> we're done here. Yep. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.